Hello and welcome to another bonus episode of Little Things with Amber Alby Swenson. This is your reminder that you too can request your copy of Soul Care, Nurturing Your Spiritual Wellness, when you give to our $155,000 challenge grant. This month, your gift goes twice as far. Give today by visiting us at timeofgrace.org or writing us at P.O. Box 301, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53201. Now, Chapter 9, Choose Friends Wisely. A popular quote says, Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Motivational speaker Jim Rohn broke it down a little more. He said, You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Friends matter. They will either inspire and encourage you or tempt you, keep you from what's important, and lead you down a path of destruction. Here again, the soul care and self-care worlds align. The secular world recognizes the importance of being careful whom you let in. If all your friends grumble, there's a good chance you will too. If your friends smoke and drink excessively, you probably do too. If you are driven, you'll likely attract driven people. Unmotivated people tend to steer clear of ambitious people. Now more than ever, we can hang out with the type of person we want to be. I've never met Time of Grace podcaster C.L. Whiteside in person, but I hang out with him often as I listen to his podcast. I follow a speech coach on Facebook. I love to listen to his videos for tips to use your voice to make an impact. 30 years ago, that would have been impossible. Today, we have access to all kinds of people with a click. Therein lies the blessing and the curse. Choose wisely and you can learn and be inspired. Choose foolishly, and you have less time for God, and the ways of the world will become commonplace. Jesus said, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Luke 6, verse 45. It matters what you put in. If the news anchors slash commentators fill the news with fear and rhetoric, that's what comes out when you talk to other people. If you listen to the DJs who are hilarious but make raunchy jokes and normalize excessive drinking and or drug use, chances are you'll repeat what they say or laugh about it with your friends who also listen. If you're soaking in the wisdom of a political commentator who trashes everything those in office do, my guess is you will be pretty upset and use every opportunity to mention how bad life is with those people in power. The Apostle Paul said, it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. Ephesians 5, 12. Shameful. Not celebrated. Not condoned not given the wink and smile. God's ways will either be archaic and insane or the path of life depending on whom you are around and who is doing the talking. We don't have to listen just because it's on TV. We can turn the phone off. We can listen to a Christian podcast instead of a political one. We can read a biography of an amazing Christian instead of putting the trashy comedy on at the end of a long day. If you've met your Christian friend group, 
it's easy to forget that 20-somethings who believe in God on a college campus are often the minority of minorities. We sometimes assume all children go to school in a building where they know and mingle with other believers. And if you haven't been in a nursing home lately, you'll find plenty of residents who don't want to hear about God. It's easy to become the odd man out at any age and stage of life. When I started working at the nursing home, it didn't take long for me to realize I was in a secular environment. The language, the morals, the pervasive nihilism was eye-opening for someone who had spent most of her adult life volunteering at church and working in ministry. Now, a year later, many of my coworkers, despite having very different worldviews, have become dear, dear friends. Jesus was hated by religious leaders for eating with tax collectors and prostitutes. He ate with them and spent time with them and treated them with love. He didn't change his ways because of them, and he didn't condone the way they lived. In fact, when he was questioned for doing so, this was his response. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Mark 2, verse 17. When we become friends with the people of the world, whether it's a neighbor, a coworker, our in-laws, or the person who's always on the bus, choices have to be made. How will we respond when we're advised to embrace self-care, to zone out, to get something expensive for ourselves, and concentrate on us because we deserve it and life is short? How do we meet the exhaustive comments about the economy, which we aren't dwelling on, because we trust God for daily bread? God gave us his word, so we realize this is nothing new. In the book of Genesis, we're given the account of Joseph, who was taken from his homeland to Egypt. By the time his brothers arrived 13 years later, Joseph looked Egyptian, sounded Egyptian, and fit into the Egyptian culture. He didn't have a band of Hebrew brothers to hang around with. He looked the part, but still knew and depended on God and was able to comfort his brothers with forgiveness and reassurance. Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego stood out as Jews in the Babylonian government, and they were despised for it. They, Though they were wise and used their efforts for the good of the kingdom, their reverence for God put them in a blazing furnace and in a lion's den. Jeremiah was hated. Elijah was hunted. Elisha was surrounded by enemy forces. John the Baptist, some of the disciples, and the Apostle Paul met their earthly end at the hands of those who vehemently determined to rid the earth of the name of Christ. There may be plenty of times we're accepted and part of the group. There will be other times that our faith will not allow us to participate in the discussion. Always, our attitude and work ethic and language should testify that we are Christians. Maybe they will think that we're a little off. Maybe we're fine as long as we don't bring God into the conversation. But maybe when things go sideways, they will ask what we think. And in that moment, we may have opportunity to point to God who is on the throne above every situation. What do you and I do if we find ourselves alone as Christians? Early in my marriage, I found myself in that situation. Every time I became close friends with someone, they moved away. 
Each time was a different, differing degree of devastating. Finally, I decided God would be my best friend. I dug into his word. I listened to Christian music and Christian radio. Through the years, I've become quote-unquote friends with several people in ministry. Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth, Alistair Begg, and other radio personalities have been my companions in the car or while making dinner. Christian musicians like 10th Avenue North and the David Crowder Band kept me company on many of my early ministry trips. These days, it's usually Phil Wickham. None of these people know me by name, but they've ministered to me and been another person trusting God through the struggles of life. You too can choose. Who are the voices you want to hear? As a Bible study leader, I'm biased. But in my opinion, the best way to make real flesh and blood Christian friends is to study the Bible together. 17 years ago, my husband and I joined an in-home Bible study. Well, that's not entirely true. I joined it and made him go. Though he wasn't super excited initially, it didn't take long till he was all in. The people in that study quickly became our dearest friends. We shared life, prayed for one another, encouraged, supported, grieved, and celebrated together. I've led Bible studies at two different churches in town and led online classes with participants from all over the country. Being in the Word bonds. Praying together bonds. Hearts open to the Word quickly become open to each other. If you are a Christian feeling alone in the world, find or start a Bible study. If you want a topical study and need materials, visit timeofgrace.org store. Typically, I study a book of the Bible. I use my trusted commentaries for background information and to make sure I know what the text says, and then I ask questions about how the text relates to life today. A year ago, my husband and I started our own in-home Bible study. We handpicked a few friends, and for whatever reason, I chose to study the book of Judges. Judges recalls a time in Israelite history when they had already taken possession of the land of Canaan, but they didn't yet have a king. It was a time when wickedness ruled, and everyone decided what was right or wrong according to their own whims. The nation continually chose sin and idolatry over obedience and worshiping God. We've been astounded at the lessons God has taught us as we've made our way through that book. I'm not sure why it's surprising to say that. God put the book of Judges in the Bible, knowing we needed it. I've just finished a seven-week series going through the book of Esther on my podcast, Little Things. There, too, God has reminded me of so many truths relevant to where I am right now. You might be able to be a loner Christian, but that's not the way God intended us to do life. The Trinity, the very essence of God, is community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in constant communion. Esther had Mordecai. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego endured together. The Apostle Paul always had ministry companions. If you're overwhelmed with life, struggling with fear, or overcome with anxiety, check the voices you're letting in and reconsider your five. If you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, make sure they are the five who are going where you want to be.